the only way that we can create discipline in our lives is through habits. And discipline creates great self-control. And with self-control, I think you can unlock potential. What is up, everyone? I am Tom Ball, and this is Second Mind, the show that empowers you to become the greatest version of yourself. To give you the fuel to master your potential, we showcase the amazing journeys, ideas, and mindsets of inspiring people who live and think a little differently. Our guest today is a globetrotting business person and digital creator who is blending the line between business and environmentalism. A soon-to-be graduate of entrepreneurship at the University of the West of England, he has already co-founded the sustainable food business Pelico and is now spreading useful habits and mindset tips through his personal brand, Life of Lathe. To create an environmental impact, he has taken on the role of student sustainability officer for his student union and has led a number of impactful campaigns and events, even organizing his own sustainability festival, all while studying full-time. This has led him to receive the prestigious Spirit of 2015 Volunteer Award in Bristol's historic Green Capital Year, recognising his powerful drive and enthusiasm to address the largest environmental challenges that face humanity. I would like to extend a very warm welcome to our guest today, Laith Hampshire. Laith, thank you very much for coming on. Awesome, Tom. No, thank you very much for that amazing introduction. No I worries. That a lot, man. No, thank you very much. They're fun yeah. to write. I get to like research like your, your like highlight reel. I'm sure there's so much we can delve into that's further than that. But yeah, um, no, that was that was really man, really well done in a nutshell. So no, I appreciate that a lot. And it's um, it's crazy to reflect on how much has happened over the last four years. Really, being at university, it's crazy how much time flies. Um, but yeah, no, thank you, man. No worries. Uh, I'd like to kick off. Um, kind of with that environmental and, and business line that I was talking about. Mm-hmm. Where does it come from for you um, to develop skills at university through your course and through your network, um, your business skills mm-hmm. and networking and so on, and then decided to use that for a larger purpose than just making money? Mm. It's, it's about making the world a better place or how, how do you view it for yourself? Yeah, sure. That's a really good question. And it's definitely something I get asked quite a lot nowadays. And I think what's really interested me most about getting into the entrepreneurial space is understanding how there's a lot of people doing things not necessarily for the greater good. And that actually there's so much potential in a lot of the climate change and sustainability sector. And that learning entrepreneurial skills really just gave me like a lot more fulfillment when I knew that it was going towards something far greater than me, far bigger than me, and actually understanding how I could put my skills towards something that is just way more important than just short-term gain, and actually something that actually could have a lasting effect on generations to come. So I couldn't really pinpoint like the exact time in my journey where I was like, boom, this is what I want to do. But it just excites me way more knowing that there's actions that we can do as humans to make the world a better place. And that fulfills me way more than doing something where not necessarily there's longevity to the actions that are made. When I think that we are in a generation where we need to be super conscious about what we're doing and how we're doing and how we're doing it and the effect that it's having on the planet Mm, it seems all too often now that people are looking at such like short-term 
solutions mm. for everything and not looking at like the long term of what's going on and even obviously down to the external stuff of like what are you consuming in your life and mm. sort of what's passing through your life and then exiting as well like plastic consumption and things but mm. also like the impact you're creating on the world through your, the value you're providing mm. so i think that like yeah you've, you've really like seem to cotton on to that quite early, like where you, where you want to be. Mm. Did you, so you've so, you sort of followed that real sense of excitement about stuff. Yeah. Is that something that you, you've always valued like really highly? Yeah. Because there's some people that haven't been <laughs> tuned into that as much. Yeah, yeah, no, I lead, I lead by my excitement, um, which is probably a blessing and a curse because when things stop exciting me, I tend to let them go. Mm. Um, and that I don't necessarily is a good trait, but I lich I have to leave by my excitement because things that energize me and excite me and really just fulfill me. I think I feel right in that place and it, it feels like at home for me. So having a space where I am doing through excitement is so important and mm. it's not, and I think, getting to that space came from doing a lot of things that didn't excite me and actually understanding the process of doing and that for me to learn what I loved, I had to do what I didn't love, which sounds pretty cliche, but it's the old like, you you need to know what you don't like to know what you do like. Mm. And Peter Drucker, who's an amazing entrepreneurial writer says, strategy is knowing what you are not. So doing things that allowed me to unlock what I didn't enjoy allowed me to then realize what I did enjoy. And this sector, this space presently excites me. Who knows what the future holds? Uh, but there's definitely a lot of work to be done in this space. So for me, if I can contribute a tiny bit in my lifetime, then I'd know that I've done, I've done something. So mm. I, like, I like that quote, <clears throat> strategy is what you are not. <laughs> uh, I guess then how have you aligned yourself to tune into what you are? Mm. Do you use certain practices to sort of get down into like, who is Ethan, what am I enjoying? Because sometimes there can be barriers and, and you don't really know how to like communicate with yourself. Sometimes it gets mm. a bit mysterious, like mm. what's, what's going on? Yeah, definitely. That's a really good question. And it's something that, so it's gonna go a bit bit deep, bit about my past. Um, That's what we're think, here for. Which I think is important. <laughs> and I think when people meet me nowadays, they're like, wow, this guy must have just like, always been like this, but definitely not. Um, definitely not actually. When I was a bit younger, I had, I've come from a good family, but I had really hard times with like my parents. Like my mum, I love her with all my heart, has been through like two divorces. And during that second divorce, I went through like a really tough time emotionally. Mm. Uh, and it was a time where I didn't really have anyone besides like my friends. Um, and I didn't want to go home. And I felt that I was really isolated. These were like when I was like 15, 16. And then during the early days of college and during those times of isolation, I didn't really know what to do or who to go to. And I really started to look within and I really had no one but me. And when I had to really understand who I was, I had to ask myself big questions about what I wanted to do in my life, where do I fit and why I feel in this certain way. And that experience of having times where I was really uncomfortable with like life, I was really uncomfortable with my environment, I started to really look within. And when I started to look within, I started to ask myself big questions and that really allowed me to uncover a bit more about myself, a bit more about 
what I enjoy and what I love, but actually realizing how powerful we are as humans and that sometimes we need to be broken to know how to fix ourselves. And actually sometimes we need to be in places where we feel uncomfortable and under pressure for us to develop. There's a, there's a wicked analogy that a, a coal can only turn into a diamond under intense pressure and that we need mm. to accept intense pressure as a way for growth and realizing that it might break us in the short run, but if we ride it, reflect and learn from it, that we can really grow and develop. So I guess that's sort of a bit where it's come from. And since then, I've really just been developing from there and further trying to understand myself through that as well. That's fantastic. Um, and and you, you strike me as quite like a creative person. Um, I don't know if you've always been that way, but... Mm. Like, how do you spark up that, that energy in yourself to sort of... I know you were saying that you're always finding things that excite you and then chasing those things. Do, mm. you fi- do you feel that the creative process along with those things is quite easy because you're excited? Naturally, I wouldn't even call myself a creative. And that's what's really interesting, actually, because I, I am trying to unlock more of my creativity. So it's interesting you say that. And actually, I appreciate that a lot because sometimes I don't actually see myself as that creative. Um, but I've started to try and clear my mind and find ways to clear my mind. And ways that I've done that is stuff like meditation. So I am a mm. huge huge advocate for a lot of like spiritual which is a very woohoo word but very like spiritual practices um but it's more just mindful practices it's it's ways to clear your mind of clutter we spoke about it briefly before about how we live in a generation of constant instant gratification and a generation where things are moving so quick constantly like that you don't actually get that space to breathe and actually giving yourself that space to breathe gives you a lot of headspace, a lot of open mind where creativity can flow. Because I think you're right. Humans naturally have a creative potential. Every mm. single human has that creative potential. And there was times in my life where I was suppressing it. Um, however, now that I've understood that every human has it, that actually finding ways to unlock it through, yet yeah, leading by my excitement, doing things that enjoin me and doing things that excite me, but also just giving myself that headspace and that mindfulness in my day-to-day where that creativity can come through. It's interesting because as society does get faster and faster, people are finding more and more ways to become efficient with their time. Mm. And there seems to be this everlasting thirst to be more and more, <laughs> more and more in the certain amount of time that we have. You know, we've all got the same amount of time in a day, but everyone wants to pack more in. Mm. And you seem like you're, you're making space for just being with yourself mm. and being able to hear the sort of inner voice inner voice that you have mm-hmm. so you can then use the time that you do have you know where you are like getting on with stuff way more effectively because mm. you're going in a better direction you're not just blindly like fumbling around you know no, exactly <laughs> exactly and and I'm an advocate for habits I'm an advocate for habits and rituals as uh, as they sometimes are called as well because um, mm. I think the only way that we can create discipline in our lives is through habits and discipline creates great self-control and Mm. with self-control I think you can unlock potential so understanding how to develop habits has been something that I've had to develop over time for various reasons but then within those habits finding ways to 
give myself that space. And actually a habit of spending time doing nothing is a very valuable habit um, when people are always trying to do, do, do. So, yeah. Mm. It's almost like the, you know, like if you've got that old clunky computer, if you're like doing really like crazy things on the computer you're like working it really hard mm. it heats up yeah. and then it, it it needs time to cool down Definitely, and it's like your man. brain i know like we don't want to associate that with being a computer but it essentially is a hundred percent and it's very like you just need to give it the time and people often don't anticipate the massive changes that can happen in their life mm. if they just take some time not necessarily to do the whole like I'm a mindfulness, like mm. spiritual person, but mm. even doing something that is mindful for them, it could yeah. be like gardening. 100%. Or like everyone's got a different way of, of doing that. 100%. There's just like more tried and tested ways. Brushing your teeth in the morning. You could be yeah. mindful washing the dishes. It's that time where you're just focusing on that moment. And Eckhart Tolle wrote a book called The Power of Now. I don't mm. know if you've heard of it. I've heard of that one. Incredible, incredible. A book that actually changed a lot of my like thinking and the way I went about things, but and sometimes I need to reread it because I forget some of its teachings, but it's an incredible book about living so in the moment that's where the magic happens, that's where creativity flows, and you're not worrying about the past which no longer exists. You're not worrying about the future which no longer, like it doesn't even exist yet, but you're just so present that you can just enjoy the space that you're in, and within that moment, you're mindful, um, but also you're just comfortable because in that moment there's never a lot of the issues we create in our mind are things that aren't actually real aren't Mm. actually like they're not actually there um they either have happened so can't be changed or are yet to exist but if we really bring ourselves so deeply in the moment we're like wow actually in this moment there's no issues and that anxiety can really you can really transcend that anxiety. So that's something that I've really tried to do. And I definitely fall into a loop of not being in the moment. And I can tell when I'm not in the moment because I'm hasty and I'm rushing around and I'm like, everything seems so much bigger than it is. And all the problems, I'm like, oh, what? And I'm just like, wait a minute, Leith. Is this really a problem? Or have I just manifested it in my mind? Mm. And just giving my that little voice in my head, that little kick, being like, come on, mate, chill out, really helps. So, yeah. Yeah. It is a process that has to continue. A lot of people, I think, look at you know, mindfulness and say, like, oh, if I do it for six weeks, I'll never catastrophize <laughs> about the future again. It'll be fine. I'll never worry about anything. But actually, it's... It's a habit because it needs to stay there. That's it, man. And it's it's always gotta it's always gotta continue. Mm-hmm. What then? I mean, I'm guessing meditation would be one or mindfulness. What three habits would you recommend to someone who Ooh. is looking to sort of drive their personal development and, and find happiness? Yeah, yeah, sure. So for me, number one is goal setting, and why I say that is because I, by nature, am a planner. So my life lives around plans. I, I, I think it's important not to get too caught up in that. However, the only way I've been able to do what I do is that I'm religious about my diary and how I work and how I flow. But within that, I ensure that I have time allocated to do exercise. I have time allocated to meditate in the morning or whatever that might be. But that key habit of 
every Sunday planning my week and having to know what I'm doing in the evening, making sure I'm doing know what I'm doing the next day. Mm. Those means that when I'm in that day, I'm not overwhelmed by what's going on because I've got clear clarity around what's already happening. So mm. that's a big one. I'd say another one would be healthy eating. <laughs> and I think I think yeah. we forget how important that is. It's underestimated. Oh, it is. It is. Like I'm a vegan personally and have mm. been for like 6 months as a vegetarian for 2 years before that. So I I'm an all-in plant-based diet guy and why? Because I believe we are what we eat and I'm not going to preach veganism because I think everyone's different. I just strongly believe that as long as we're consciously consuming we spoke earlier about how your mind is, and your sorry, your brain is a computer, and and your the body is also a living organism, and what we feed it influences our emotions, our feelings, our actions. It's actually crazy. So mm. a big thing is healthy consuming, and healthy eating. So that's a, a habit is making sure that I'm really conscious of what I'm eating throughout the day. And then I guess yeah, third and final is my morning affirmation. So every morning. I make a list of what I'm grateful for in my life. So morning gratitude. Mm. And that is something that I might forget sometimes. I'm not like religious about it in the sense that if I, if I miss it, it's not the end of the world. But I always know that if I spend that 10, 15 minutes in the morning doing my affirmations, having that bit of meditation and writing down what I'm grateful for, it always just puts me in a much more positive mindset ready for my day. What scares me at the moment in society is a lot of people with the sort of ping notification thing that we've got going on now, they get up in the morning, the first thing they do is they look at their phone. Yeah. And immediately you're putting your world into someone else's uh, 100%, terms. Yeah. And I, I was doing it myself for a long time and actually I've adopted a similar morning, morning ritual of getting up and doing something for me instantly. Yeah, Some, yeah. Something to like base myself, ground myself. I think that's something so powerful that a lot of people, like, they they would underestimate how, how much it would change their day. Oh, it's incredible. It's incredible. I was speaking to someone, actually, uh, on when I was doing some, like, conversations on YouTube about how some of the most productive people that I know do not spend the first hour when they wake up and the last hour before they go to sleep with their phone on. That that mm. is crazy. Like, I didn't even think that was a thing. Um, I've heard it, but when I know that there's some individuals that I'm friends with who are entrepreneurs, they run global businesses through the technology, so they live on their laptops, live on them, yet the first hour of the day, they do not tune in to social media or technology, and they use that first hour of the day just to wake up, <laughs> come into reality, and just ground themselves. Something that I've started to, tr like, started to do as well, and it's just, it's crazy the impact that can have. Like you just said, we are so reactive to things. And when you're waking up, then within minutes, becoming reactive to what you're seeing on, on your phone, you're in, you're in that reaction mode off the bat, which is dangerous, I think. So, mm. and now also trying to do it before I go to sleep as well. Because again, a habit for millennials is being on their phones until they pass out. And that again is something that is not what we should be doing. And that, the theory behind that is people think, I'm going to be on my phone until I get tired. But that is complete reverse psychology because your phone light is keeping you awake. So suddenly your sleep you're going in is a very unsettled sleep. So you wake up feeling more tired. So actually that last hour before bed, switch off your phone, 
have some space for you, whatever that might be, and you'll sleep better and you'll wake up feeling way more refreshed. Yeah, something very important <coughs> a lot of people could learn there. Mm. Um, so you said you're like quite a, quite a planner and you've got like your diary sorted out. <laughs> yeah. I think that's so valuable. I remember yeah. going through university and I didn't have a diary. I don't even know how I survived as a person. <laughs> like now I live from my diary. Yeah, yeah, it's and, important. Uh, so so um, obviously you say there's a massive importance of like being in the moment and being, being present. Do you, do you feel like that's where the enjoyment comes from for most of the things that you do is when mm. you're like in that flow state in the moment? And, and how do you sort of hold on to that and, and follow that? Mm. As it were? Mm, definitely. I think it's really hard to force yourself to be on the moment. And I think our mind naturally goes through waves. So I sort of see it as like a roller coaster. Um, but like a chilled roller coaster, we go up and down throughout the day and there's times where we're at the peak where we're in flow, we're in that flow state and there's times that we're not. Mm. And accepting those times that we're not and, and trying to not resist it made me a lot more appreciative of when I was in flow. I think definitely that flow state is incredibly powerful. Like some of the greatest athletes in the world reach their highest potential from being in that flow state yeah i don't know the true science behind the flow state because it can come it can go you can be in it you can't be in it but it's just about accepting that that's the process and when you're not in it and when you feel that your mind is overthinking just again letting that be and not trying to be like oh why aren't i there why aren't i there because then that causes more friction and you'll start having like anger in your mind and more issues arise and just accepting that we go through waves and that what goes up must come down and vice versa so yeah the flow state's awesome and it's a beautiful state to be in and yeah so yeah mm. it's almost like as soon as you recognize you're in a flow state you're not in a flow state yeah yeah know, like, it's, 100% <laughs> it's wise the irony words, of man. it yeah it's like yeah it's like yeah 100% no wise words and it's I think doing stuff like meditation and whatnot can get you more there. But I think like you said, doing something that you enjoy and you're excited about, you, that puts you really into that flow state as well. And just doing something mm. that you're really happy to be doing just puts you in that space where you're like, I love this moment. So yeah, it's, mm. re it's really important, really important. I think it's, it comes into perspective the most when you look back on your day or look back on your week and you identify those moments throughout. Because mm. sometimes they'll pass you by. Mm. Um, and you would just, t in a way, take it for granted. It's just like, I was just doing me, doing mm. my thing. Mm. Um, but then you actually have that fulfillment when you look back and say like, oh, that was, that was a really cool moment and mm. produce something really cool. Definitely, definitely, mm. definitely. Um, take it like a different direction now. Yeah, sure. You, you've done a little bit of like environmental work or a lot of environmental work. And that seems to be the focus of a fair few of your, your projects. Um, how do you stay productive and positive when there are so many difficult headlines to see and leaders who are leading where they don't have that as their top agenda mm. and people who seem to maybe not care about that agenda either. Mm. How do you deal with that on, on your terms? Just knowing that there needs to be change is enough for me. So knowing that no matter what, the world needs it and there's enough people in the world who want to go towards it and just surrounding myself with those people is really important 
So as we're told, you become like the five people you spend the most time with. So surrounding myself with like-minded people who are also really passionate about that environment and that space inspires me to continue to put my work in that space and to con like continually makes me want to work in that space. And I think, yeah, there's a lot of cynicism within the space and we're constantly debating what's real and what's not in the space. However, you just have to look at the current economic climate and the disparity of resources and food and money and finance to know that something's not right. So that enough, that is enough for me to realize that I, that there's still more work to be done. No matter what anyone says or what any leader of any country says, the fact that there's still people dying of starvation in the 21st century is something that is wrong. So there's needs mm. to be help there. Yeah. And so like with, with the environmental issues that you've tackled so far, do you think there's any, anything that's untapped for you that's like really flaring up that you would like to get involved in in Ooh. the future that maybe you haven't touched yet? Oh, great question. I, um, I, I barely think I've skimmed the surface. I, my knowledge in the space is every day I'm learning new things and every day I'm finding out new things about what needs to be done. I don't know if there's a specific area that I'm super, super, super passionate about yet. I'm still trying to work that out. But this summer I'm spending five weeks with the Climate Kick program, which is a European Union program, which mm. is all about trying to find entrepreneurial solutions to climate change. I think you sent me that. You, I think I did. And I applied <laughs> and I got on. There you go. Yeah. That's wicked. Yeah, I got accepted. Yeah, yeah. So that's five weeks across Paris, Zurich and Austria, which starts in July. So What an experience. Yeah, it's awesome. It's fully funded by them as well, which should be cool. And I think doing that is going to really open my eyes to what is gonna, what's going to happen um, and where I think I might be able to put my skills. But it's, it is a super broad space. But what I, I am really interested in technology and how technology and new age technology and smart technology can make people more aware of the issues, but also technology that allows people to make a change in their everyday life. And technology that, like, we, we have a supercomputer in our pocket. There must be more we can be doing on a day-to-day -day basis. Um, and I think surrounding myself and connecting with the right people, hopefully some more solutions come from there. Yeah. I, I hope that with all of the technological advancements we're going to have, we're not going to outsource caring about the world that we live in. Mm -hmm. And it's never going to... I don't want the, the collective personally to feel that because we have you know all these technologies developing that mm. we can therefore mm. spend a smaller time in our own lives mm -hmm. thinking about how we can make an impact and what impact we're making mm, definitely it's sort of like that idea of we shouldn't be trying to think of solutions we should be sorry we shouldn't be trying to think of cures it should be trying to think of preventions yeah and i think it's there's a risk there i think you're right with people being like oh it doesn't matter if i do this because there's this technology that's going to solve this like no let's just not do that thing and avoid that happening and that's why i think if technology can be reverse engineered and be at the start of the food chain and actually if we can use technology to re like resist things from occurring and actually stop it from even arising then that would be awesome but there's loads of incredible things going on at the moment like you just scroll through your facebook feed and you see these crazy videos about all this 
weird stuff that's happening. I think there's some incredible leaders in this space. You look at what Elon Musk is doing and you look at sort of his entrepreneurial ventures in the space. I think it's incredible. But I think people can be doing more. I think everyone can be doing more. Like you see these huge giants like Amazon and Google and Facebook. And what are they doing about it? Knit? I don't actually have a clue. Mm. Um, when they have so much control, you're like, wow, they should be doing more. So, so yeah, maybe it's about trying to get them to do more because they have the budgets and the influence. <laughs> and it's it's actually doing something in real terms it's not having that greenwashing aspect of mm. what so many companies have, have put forward where they're saying that you know they've got like a responsible policy process that they're mm. going to do but then they're still like shedding out you look at the amazon packages they send out now oh, it's ridiculous they've gotten yeah. so much packaging in there. like <laughs> just as a carnage, base thing it angers yeah. me on a daily basis yeah it's carnage but then there's like this dichotomy between people love the service say like amazon give um, but they know that ethically they're not the most sound company, not mm. just through an environmental standpoint, but through the way that they treat their workers and other things like that. And it's it's like we're almost chained up to mm. their services because they are so good in terms of the way that they deliver it. Mm. It's a reason they're so successful. But also we've almost been chosen to tune out those damaging aspects mm. of it. And how it's like how can we bring it back up to a level playing field and 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 realize the clear picture mm. rather than you know just what we're getting out of it mm. it's quite difficult it is it is it is and i think a lot of education needs to be happening like we look at what you're doing with the green team it's incredible and i think there definitely is more that the university can be doing as a whole i think there's still not enough awareness it seems to be very tertiary on people's agendas like very secondary sometimes Mm. and when you think how important it is just the education is so important but i guess that's where the beauty of social media and these platforms and whatnot like they have is there more it's just raising that awareness which i think is important i think raising awareness is a big big part of it but i also think empowering individuals to take action is really important as well so how do we as large organizations like universities, schools, and government organizations, how do they empower young people more? How do they resource young people more? How do they resource people more to actually make a change? Because they're spending hundreds of millions on military weapons, yet they're not spending enough money on trying to solve the very pressing issues such as poverty through a lack of resources and clean water in third world countries which is a whole nother discussion, but I think it's crazy to think that there's still an incredible misallocation of resources in our entire like econo economy, and there's clearly something wrong with the system where there's more money going towards the big bankers and more money going towards war and, and military defense than there is towards poverty and climate change. There's something really wrong there. Mm. and. I don't know what is going on or why it's going on, but it is happening. And I think there needs to be more awareness from all sectors, all ages and everyone, really. Yeah. There's that collective baseline mindset behind it as well. I think that there's this disassociation between humanity and the planet. Mm. What, what do you think... I mean, how, what do you view humanity as in relation to the planet? Do you think we're a whole entity? Do you think we're a system? Or do you think we are separate? Mm. And how do you feel like it should be influenced 
um, in the future? How do you think we should be influencing people to think about that so that maybe we can encounter, uh, make a difference to those environmental issues? Yeah, and I have really interesting views on this. Like, I'm a big believer in collective consciousness. I'm a big believer in we are one with this earth. And I'm a big believer in the more that we pollute this earth, the more that we pollute our own psyches as a human being. Mm -hmm. The more that we destroy the environment, we are merely destroying our generations yet to come. So we are actually very connected to this earth on a much deeper level than I think any of us can fathom in our minds, in our human minds. And I think the connection we have with Mother Nature and Gaia and the entire spirit of this earth, I think is, is incredible and something that we barely even skim the surface of as, as humans. Yet people are understanding this more. And you think about Nikola Tesla proved that everything was energy. And he proved that we have a vibration and the earth has a vibration and we as humans have a vibration. And I know this is a bit of a tangent. However, I think it's important. Um, and that we have a vibration which resonates with the earth. And that actually the idea of vibe is actually a thing. And actually if we can create positive energy we have an incredibly positive impact on the collective awareness of the planet and therefore humanity as a whole will will rise as as a as a collective so mm. i think in answer to your question i think we are we are all one not only humans not only the people that you meet in your day-to-day -day being a reflection of yourself, but also with Mother Nature and with this Earth. And actually, the caring for our planet is way more important than we think. And we we are so disconnected, yet I believe we're going back into an age of connectivity. I feel that we got really far from Mother Nature, and now we're coming, it's a big cycle, like a Fibonacci cycle. Um, we're, we're flowing back to where we need to be, which is becoming one with the planet again, I hope. Mm. And it's, uh, I guess, part of a larger force then to take us back to that place. Mm. Um, it's interesting because when problems like flare up in society or even in like social groups and stuff, if someone's acting out, people will, through their like individualistic mindset, say like, oh, there's like there's an issue with that person. Mm. That person has a problem. Mm. And to me now, when I see issues pop up in society, it's almost like we are this is a symptom of negativity in our society in general mm, mm. and we should maybe be more asking how can we get to the cause of this negativity because it's being created by us all as a collective mm. rather than like, the individuals who are manifesting that they're just manifesting it mm. so they're like the, the top of it mm. and unless we get to the root causes then these sort of people who start bringing negativity into the world will keep happening mm. because we need to address the baseline issues. Definitely. Understanding that we're a collective psyche, I think, and that you're so right, that when the idea of like mental health uh, aspects or people's minds actually is a problem with the whole of society and not that individual, and that actually we are polluting that psyche and then it's influencing people so just coming back to that yeah like we are all one so actually the things that we emit have a far greater impact than we think it's that whole the old saying be careful what you wish for um because i think we actually have a huge influence um beyond what we think as well so yeah mm. but it, it becomes increasingly difficult when 
every part of modern society is telling us to do everything for ourselves. Yeah. To actually get into that mindset and, and call yourself back to, okay, what am I doing mm. for our you know, humanity and the planet like, mm. yeah, on a larger scale? It's, we're so often driven to be like, what about me? What am I doing? No. Even through education, it's all about you and your grades. And 100%. there's a little bit of teamwork, but that really <laughs> like, what's it really doing to get people to bond together? You know? No, definitely. It's all about the I am. Um, it's all about the... I think there's two eyes that we have in our life. We've got the little eye and the big eye and the little eye being that like little ego and we all have our ego, which is our identity, which I think is not necessarily a bad thing. Everyone has an ego. It's the, it's that voice in your head that gets you out of bed in the morning and hits your targets and goals. Mm. But the big eye is that we are all this collective one. And once we observe that we are not the small eye, we are the big eye. And actually we are not just this human body and some say we're a human having a spirit experience but i think that we are a spirit having a human experience so actually we are far greater than our body and mind makes us believe and that actually we were probably here a lot longer than we think we were as a spirit and we're probably going to be here a lot longer than we think we are as a spirit but our human body might only exist for 80 90 years yet our connection with each other and the planet will last forever or eternity or who knows. But yeah, I think you're right. I think we, we have such an individualistic society, especially in the UK. Like I spend a lot of time traveling because I actually really get quite uncomfortable being in this country sometimes um, because I've got a very Middle Eastern background. So I come from a very like family orientated culture it's very much about like group and tribe and that vibe mm. so when i the uk is sometimes i really enjoy it it's great opportunities but i can't like i'm leaving the uk soon and and that's because i choose i feel that it's not where i feel most at home um and actually mm. i like to be around cultures that are a lot more like loving and caring so yeah <laughs> environment does play a massive factor into Definitely. so many things in people's lives and they do underestimate that mm. so how, how do you feel leadership is important and, and what makes a good leader for these sort of challenges we've been talking about yeah sure uh is that in context of self-leadership or leadership of others i think you make a good point just in saying that <laughs> <laughs> okay so i think to lead others, you must know how to lead yourself. And I, I really believe that self-leadership, coming back to what we were saying about habits and mindset and knowing who you are is a huge part of leading yourself. And actually, mm. once you can become one with who you are, understand your skills, your weaknesses, and just become more aware of who you are, then your self-leadership raises, it rises, and you just become a bit more aware of your own actions and then that can then assimilate into leading others however not not everyone is natural leaders however i think everyone has the ability to influence other people so i think as long as you are being conscious and integral of your own actions you have the ability to lead other people in a positive way and i'm a big big advocate for robert greenleaf's servant leadership so robert greenleaf talks about servant leadership which is the leader that serves others purpose so actually connecting to other people with other people by serving them by helping them unlock their potential and that's robert greenleaf's servant leadership which i think is an incredible piece of literature 
that is something that I really, really resonate with. Mm. And it seems that, that the most effective leaders are so at peace with being just true to themselves. Mm, mm. And when they're coming from an authentic place, doing things that they enjoy, having that real connection to their sort of inner voice and, and uh, having, having that peace, they can then flow out to other people. Mm, definitely. And then they've got it going. Definitely. Authenticity is so important. So important. Being true to yourself and being true to others and just being open and also being vulnerable, I think is really important at times. Yeah. And I think realising that not everyone is all these high-performing people um, or whatever, they always make it seem that they're always on cloud nine, but it's not true. And a lot of them, the real ones, really break it down. They say, look, we have times where we feel shit and we feel uncomfortable and we feel sad and we feel down, but we understand that that's part of the process and we don't identify with the little eye, we identify with the big eye. So, mm. yeah. What's... Uh the, the best piece of advice you've ever received? Mm. It's a great question. I think the best piece of advice I've ever received is from my mum, who said when I was in university and I was about to drop out of university in my first year because I was doing business management and I hated it before I swapped to entrepreneurship and I was like, this is pointless. I'm not enjoying this. She said, you know what, Leighton? Being persistently persistent is the key to success and actually understanding that you will only learn what you love by doing what you hate. And, and then within a few weeks, I found entrepreneurship and I joined that course and that moment changed my life forever as I was moments away from leaving. So that piece of advice is just being persistent and realizing that you never know how close you are and you never know how far something is and just continually trying and learning and developing and enjoying the process is realizing that it's not about the destination it's about journeying well and it's mm. about enjoying the journey and realizing that the end goal who knows what it might hold so you just have to enjoy the process it's crazy that people are so focused on goals and they forget to enjoy the journey because that's all you're ever going to have. Yeah, exactly. Like, <laughs> the moments the just end? go past. I know, exactly. So living in the moment, enjoying the process, because tomorrow is never promised and you never know what might happen. And actually just loving living and giving in the moment, I think is like, so important. And yeah, just reminding, I, rem I have to remind myself of that quite a lot. Um, but yeah, it's the best piece of advice. So yeah, shout out to Mumsy. I like it. <laughs> what's, uh, what's your attitude to failure? How do you view failure in yourself? You have to fail to learn. You have to fail to learn. I think it's, I don't believe in like the idea of failure. It's such a cliche thing to say, but it's sort of just that we have to try in always. Like the worst thing we can do as humans is just not try. Like we have to give things a dig. We just have to try. We have to try and you will fail. Like that's inevitable, but just get used to it. Just build that mentality that I have started projects and lost so much money and time. And in that moment, I'd be like, oh, this is really bad. But actually you just take a step back and you're like, the fact that I could even do this or even try to do this is incredible. So just let it be and just learn from it and just move on. 
and reflecting is so important. So f like finding that time to reflect once things have happened so that you can be like, okay, I've learned from that. I understand what's happened. I can take the key lessons and disregard what's not important and then move on. So yeah, failure is super important. The worst thing you can do is not try. So yeah. Mm. You, you seem like someone who's definitely got his mind switched on to like self self development and <laughs> to, like talking with you know, our conversation right now and like re reading books on self development style uh, matters. Yeah. Do you think there's a danger so, of over consuming <laughs> self development stuff and being like I'm always reading, never taking action? Yeah, without a doubt, without a doubt, a hundred percent. And I haven't picked up a book in a while because I've been working on my final year project. But I think you don't learn the best. One of the best ways to learn is just by doing. I think you're right. I think it's like good harmonious balance. And I think mm. it's sort of like you can't learn to do a push up by watching a video to do a push up. But like you need to bloody do a push up to learn how to do a push up. So yeah. that is like you can't learn to be emotionally intelligent through a book. Like you need to go out and meet people and socialize and become aware of who you are. But there's a lot of value in books. And I'm a huge advocate for academia. I'm a huge advocate for learning through journals and reading and people who've done lots of studies. Because I think there's a lot we can learn from that. But everyone's different. And you've got to take everything you read with a pinch of salt. And you've got to take everything you watch with a piece of salt. Because everyone's different, everyone's unique, and everyone has their own journey. So, yeah. Hmm. Before I ask um, my last question. Sure thing, man. Where can people find you on social media? This yeah, is a chance yeah, to plug it all yeah, up. Yeah, wicked, man. Awesome. So uh, my social handle is at Life of Lathe. Um, that's at L-I-F-E of L-E-Y-T-H. And that is my Instagram, my YouTube, and my Facebook page. It's all super preliminary at the moment. But I'm working on a project called The Art Collective where we are working to support social entrepreneurs, people with a purpose around climate change and sustainability. And we've got a whole team of digital marketers, entrepreneurs, creators, and video creators looking to support these projects. So you can catch us on Instagram, which is at The Arc Collective, and also our website, which will be launching soon, which is theartcollective.org. It's gonna be a social enterprise to support other social entrepreneurs. So yeah, at Life of Life and at The Art Collective. Nice one. And the final question. Awesome. What is the impact you would like to have on the earth? That, that's a huge question. <laughs> it's a big one. Yeah, awesome. I'm trying to say something that's not going to be super cheesy and corny, but... Sometimes that's the real stuff, you <laughs> yeah, know? Like... <laughs> no, no, for real. And I think I'd, I'd just love to know that I've created, I've left more than I've taken. And I think as a millennial, we take a lot. And I think as a generation, we're taking a lot from this planet. So to just know that I could give back more than I've taken over my lifetime and that I've influenced more people than just me and that I've influenced and supported and helped people and also just connected like-minded people. I think this there's a lot to be done from environmental to climate change to government and to the entire economy. There's a lot that needs to be done. But I think what I've realised, I just need to focus on what excites me, what I'm passionate about and what I really want to make a change in and just go all in on that and surround myself with people on the same mission because I think that's so important. So I think for me, the impact would be to just make sure that I'm giving back more than I've taken. You seem like you're well on your journey. <laughs> Cheers, that. man. Thank nice you. One. Let's see. Thank you so much. Uh, Leigh, thank you ever so much for coming on the show. It has been an absolute pleasure to chat. 
Uh, folks, please do follow the Life of Lathe and Art Collective, um, where Lathe is literally giving away free gold in terms of life lessons and powerful thoughts. Do check it out. Uh, everyone, you've been listening to Second Mind, the show that fuels you to be the greatest version of yourself. If you've enjoyed the discussion today, please do smash the like button and subscribe to us so you can keep updated with all our latest episodes. Your support is what helps drive our messages out to more people. Thank you all for listening. And until next time, stay true.